0: But There we go. <laughs> Just making me think I'm nuts. <laughs> okay, we're starting a new study this morning. We've done with prophecies of Christ. We're going to talk about the life of Christ. And uh, it's kind of... We're using a, uh, a study study guide that we got, and it kind of takes you through from just before he was born up through his death, and uh, we'll see how many weeks it goes. Right now, it's 26 lessons, but Doug and I are going to see what we can do to compress that a little bit and make it a little bit less, but let's go with the first one, Life of Christ. It's interesting. My backdrop here is bright purple, and up there, it's kind of blue, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Not much red coming out. Okay, so, here's the different areas that I'm going to cover this morning. Perspectives, in other words, who Christ was, when he was, how, what he did. And then John the Baptist. And, and there's an interlinking here at the beginning between John and the Baptist all the way through and Christ because of the relationship they had as blood relatives and the relationship they had as far as his annunciation. So we have the annunciation of both uh, John's birth and Christ's birth, Mary visiting Elizabeth, and John the Baptist's birth and early life. We're going to use all four Gospels because some of them give you information, the other one didn't. Okay, so to get a whole picture, we're blending in where we have to, the different Gospels to say, okay, this this talks more about it. Luke goes into a lot of detail here at the beginning. Matthew goes into some detail. Matthew looks at it from a different perspective. Matthew was a Jew, Matthew was one of the apostles. So he looks at it from a Jewish perspective. Luke was a Gentile, he was not an apostle, but he looks at it from a very, very um, step back perspective, a very objective perspective as far as what's going on. And then John gives you a whole different perspective. The three of the gospels align roughly But John doesn't really align at all because John's telling you something about the heart of Christ. So when we pull some things out of there from John, there may be some things that aren't in there. There's almost no, or there's no parables in John, for instance, the book of John. But there's parables throughout the other three books. So they give you different perspectives and different views. first one, here's out of John, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word. What is it? What beginning... Is this? And the way I did this is, if I have it highlighted and underlined, I'm going to ask a question. What does he mean by "in the beginning"? What beginning? The beginning of Christ. The beginning of Christ. The creation. Yeah. The, beginning the beginning of creation. Of creation. Yeah. Okay. What is was the word? This what? is even before creation, really, right? That's <laughs> true. But it's kind of interesting what you said because he said before creation which implies time, and time was part of creation. So he is just like Christ, like God is. God says, you know, remember when Moses said, who are you, and he said, I am. Present tense, I exist. Christ exists. He always existed. And, but then in the beginning that talking about here is the creation, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. What does that mean? What does it mean, all things came into being? He was the creator. creator. Yeah. What was his role in Genesis 1? He was the speaker. He he was the speaker. He spoke it into existence. The Father's will was to create. The Son spoke it into existence. The Spirit made it happen. You kind of see all three working together. That's what, what, what's, you know, why, what I wanted to point out, is the perspective is, and I've heard it preached, this is to say, Christ existed, Jesus existed, the Son existed, starting from when He was born here, and that's not true. He exists. He's always existed. He came down here and took the form of a man, but he's always existed. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. What's the light in the dark? Good and evil. The truth and the lie. Who's the liar? Who's the father of lies? And I did want to touch into Revelation where it talked about the beginning and the end. This is where it talks about he who sits on the throne. This is in chapter 21. Behold, I am making all things new. He talks about himself in this way three times, Christ does, in the book of Revelation. And he said, write these words, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water life without cost, the one who will overcome, one who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. So you see here where John, again, if this is John writing the book of Revelation, talks about Christ being the Alpha and the Omega, but he's writing down the words he hears and what he sees. Also in Colossians, and what Paul wrote to the people at Colossae, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. By being the firstborn, he's the one who brought creation into being. For by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So all things invisible and visible. Is the air visible? No. But you can see The stars in heaven, which are really little suns, you can see all the things that are here that you can touch, all created by Him. So you can see in the beginning, He was there. And you can see from Colossians what He did in the beginning to make it the beginning. So, going on also into John, and this is talking about John the Baptist. A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. Which John is this? this is, is this John out of John or a different John? Which First John is this? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So, what was his job? What was his responsibility? What was John, John the Baptist, Baptist to do? To tell people who Christ was. Okay? To identify him. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. How is every person enlightened? Through the word the truth. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. So here's John telling the saying, retrospective to say, he came, and his own people wouldn't accept him, which would be the Jews. But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born. Not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So, how were they born? He gave them the right to become children of God. How? Ah. They're reborn more than born. They're born in a spiritual, I guess, a spiritual life after, after baptism. Does that make sense? It does. But he gave, and he gave them that right after he ascended. But while he was here, did he forgive sins while he was here before he ascended? Yeah. What was that based on? He saw people's need to have their sins forgiven. He knew he had to go to the cross to have it for everyone. But you had the difference between the two as far as people who were still trying to earn their way there through the old law. And he said, no, no, it's never been that way. It's never been through the law. It's always been through faith. So again, in John chapter 14 through 18. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as as, as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, Calling out, saying, this is he of whom I said, he is coming after me, has proved to be my superior because he existed before me. Okay, so who's coming after me, existed before me because he's my superior? It's Jesus that he's talking about, but he said, he who comes after me, what does he mean he who came after me? He's doing a comparison. John's doing a comparison. He was born after him. John and Christ were cousins. How much older was John than Christ? Six months. I heard that one to thank you. (laughs) He was six months older. So he who was before him, coming, who, who, He who is coming after me, in other words, I was born first, is proved to me as here because he existed before me. He existed before John because he's existed always. And that's what John's talking about here. But it's complicated. For of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace. What does he mean by grace upon grace? Isn't it the fact that we're forgiven our sins continually? I mean, we're Christians. We're trying to follow God, but we're going to fail. We're going to sin. And we get grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So again, another comparison John makes. What's the comparison? on the spiritual law. The, oh, law the law and the spiritual law earning it or thinking you can earn it and given it to you because of the grace of god because paul goes through in all of his books and he says you can't keep the whole law and if you one piece one piece of the law you transgress you transgress the whole law no one has seen god at any time god the only son who's in the arms of the father is explained to him. So the genealogy, and we step out of that one. Okay, that's, the, that's kind of the preamble that talks about that, and talks about John and the relationship. The genealogy. There's two books I'm going to talk about here. Which two gospels am I going to talk about? Luke. Matthew and Luke. First one is Matthew. bunch of names I practiced, so we'll see if I get them right. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So how does Matthew start out talking about, what's the order he goes into when he talks about the genealogy? How does Matthew approach it? Abraham. Huh? starts with Abraham. He starts with with Abraham, and he goes forward in time. Keep that in mind. He starts with Abraham and goes forward. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zirah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amminadab. Amminadab fathered Nahazan. Nahashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Which Rahab is this? And which Rahab isn't this? Everybody's saying the harlot. It's about 250 years between the time that Salmon lived and the fall of Jericho. It's another Rahab, but there's a common misunderstanding when you see Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Why do you think he picked these two women? They weren't Jews. Ruth, what was Ruth? What was Ruth? What, what, what nationality was Ruth? Moabite. Okay. Rahab, we don't know, but Rahab is a Canaanite name. We know that that was a Canaanite name because the woman that we know in Jericho that hid the spies was named Rahab. So here's two women in the line of Christ, and Matthew points it out. He just says, These two women, I point them out. Mostly, you see just the men there, but he pointed these two out. And Obed father Jesse, and Jesse fathered David the king, and David fathered Solomon. So at this particular point, you're going to have an intersection between the two genealogies. David, there's an intersection. Why? Why would there be an intersection between both Mary and Joseph's genealogy here? All the Psalms, it talks about the throne of David. All the things that we just went through, we just studied about having the promise of the Messiah take the throne of David, they had to have an intersection to David in the genealogy. It had to be there. So, by Solomon. By her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon fathered Rehoboam, Rehoboam fathered Abijah and Abijah fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat fathered Joram, Joram fathered Uzziah, Uzziah fathered Jotham, Jotham fathered Ahaz, Ahaz fathered Hezekiah, Hezekiah fathered Manasseh, Manasseh fathered Ammon, and Ammon fathered Josiah. Josiah fathered Jeconi and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Jehiel, and Jehiel fathered Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abihub. Who's Zerubbabel? Excuse me? Nope. This is after they had been taken into captivity in Babylon. Who's Zerubbabel? We studied this. Zerubbabel was one of the leaders that came back, got authority from the Persian king to come back and also the things to rebuild the temple after it had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. So there's an intersection also with Zerubbabel between the two bloodlines. Ahud fathered Eliakim, and Eliakim, fathered Azor, and Azor fathered Zadok, and Zadok fathered Achim, and Achim fathered Eluid. And Eluid brings you all the way up to Joseph. So this is the line of Joseph that he's talking about. In Matthew, in in Luke, like I said, Luke is a doctor. He's a Gentile. He looks at things very objectively. Why do you think Luke chose to take Mary's heritage? Her, her genealogy. What she would do. You admit, that was the bloodline. Joseph did not father Christ. But for the Jews, it was always the father or their perceived father. So Matthew said, I'm going to track it back all the way from Joseph. Luke said, no, I'm going to follow the bloodline to see the promise has to be through Mary. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years old, being, as was commonly held, the son of Joseph. In other words, Luke says, as commonly held, but he wasn't. The son of Eli, the son of Methat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Hesley, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, the son of Matthias, the son of Simon, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Jonan, the son of Reza, the son of Zerubbabel. So again, there's that intersection. The son of Shalil, the son of Neri, the son of Melchai, the son of Adi, the son of Kosim, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of El... Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Methad, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Menah, the son of Mathara, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse. So, you see this other intersection. David had many sons. Who was the son that was in the bloodline for Joseph of David? Famous king. Solomon. Who was the, the son of David that was the bloodline for Mary? Of David. Here. Nathan. You don't hear anything about Nathan. But that's where the divergence happens. So they diverge, they come back again at Zerubbabel, and then they diverge again. The son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Solomon, the son of Nashon, the son of Amenadab. The son of Admon, the son of Ram, the son of Herzon, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. And this is what Luke adds: The son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Heber, the son of Sheila, the son of Canaan, the son of Ephaxrad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lemech the son of Meluza, Methuselah, the son of Enoch. So who was Methuselah? Uh-huh. He was 969 years old, the oldest man listed in the Bible. Oldest man? And he yeah, probably did die in the flood. And he was a priest of God. Remember Abraham met him? And Abraham gave him tithes. To Methuselah. Who's Enoch? This is one of the trivia questions we used to add our third and fourth graders. There's two people. Elijah and Enoch. What do they have in common? They never died. Enoch was just taken up by God. He did not die. The son of Jared. The son of Seth. Who's Seth? The third son. The third son. He was the one that was born to Adam and Eve after Cain was killed. The son of Adam, the son of God. What's the difference in the, how, how they follow the genealogy? Remember? Matthew said, I started Abraham, I go forward. Luke said, I started Mary, and I go back. So they do it in opposite directions. Luke goes all the way back to God. Matthew starts at Abraham goes forward because Matthew was writing to the Jews and Luke was writing to somebody who thought like a physician. I'm gonna go all the way back to where it started. It started with God. So you can see the difference between the two. Both genealogies show going all the way back to Abraham, going to David, going to Zerubbabel, You see all the prophecy that we just went through that said, here's where he's going to be coming from about the throne of David, and you see it fulfilled here. So you see this part of it as far as the genealogy, and that's why it was important. The Annunciation of John. Like I said, it's important to talk about John and Christ. And I'm running behind. In the days of Herod, which Herod was this? Hmm? what? He was the king of Judah, or actually, yeah, Judah. This is Herod the Great. I think he named himself because he was a pretty bad guy. King of Judah. He was a priest named Zechariah. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. That kind of rings a bell with me because of my daughter's name. They were both righteous in the sight of God. So... Elizabeth and Zechariah, husband, wife, what kind of people are they? Faithful, godly people. He was a priest, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. And yet, they had no child because Elizabeth was infertile, and they were both advanced in years. That phrase, advanced in years, is the same way they they described Sarah. That doesn't mean that she was in her 40s. That means she was maybe in her 80s. Now, it happened that while they were performing priestly service before God in the appointed order of division, according to the custom of priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he's a priest, and by lots, how many people went in? How many people were chosen to go in to burn incense? One. Only one. And the whole multitude of people in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. So, everybody else is staying outside. So where in the temple did he go? Anybody know? Huh? Somebody said something. How about we go to Exodus? This is talking about making this altar for the incense. It's about three feet high. By 18 inches by 18 inches, and it tells you how it is and how it's got to have pure gold over it and everything like that. But at the end, in verse six, you shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony, in front of the atoning cover that is over the ark of the testimony, where I will meet with you. So, what's this? What's this uh, ark? It's Sorry for the cut. And. What's the cover on the Ark of the Covenant? What's that called? The mercy seat. That's where God came, and that was in the Holy of Holies. Graphically, graphically, it looked like this. And that curtain behind it, you're standing in the holy place, and behind that curtain is the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant. So he was right there, just outside of the... He was in the holy place within the temple, just outside on the other side of the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Where they only entered it once a year, and it was the chief priest. That's it. So he's in a place, could be a little scary to be in. So in Luke, Now the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. How do you think he reacted? Whoa, who's this? I'm supposed to be in here alone. He just appeared to him. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, no kidding, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. So what did the angel come to tell him? God God is going to give you a child in your advanced age, just like he did for Sarah. Same situation. And he gave him his name. You can't name him whatever you want. I'm going to tell you what you're going to call him. You're going to call him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice over his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. That's one to remember. He's going to be filled with the Spirit while he's still in the womb. He will, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord, their God. How did he do that? What did, what did John do? He baptized. calls called him John the Baptist. And, and it is he... Who Okay, that's better. I'm not going to read it again, though. Okay, so here, here kind of sets what John's responsibility is. Why was John brought into the world? He's brought into the world to be a forerunner of the Christ, like Elijah, to enunciate him. In Luke, This one here, like I said, it's Luke, so continue on, Luke. Zachariah said to the angel, how will I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in her years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Who was, what, Gabriel's an angel, what kind of angel? Archangel, archangel. How many archangels do we know there were? Two, Gabriel? Michael. Vicki would know Michael, wouldn't you? <laughs> the angel answered to him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. So you see a contrast here. Gabriel told him something. He didn't believe it. And now he's mute. He can't talk. In Genesis, you have Sarah who's being told by the angel, you're going to have a child, and she's laughing at it. Don't understand the difference. But for some reason, with Zechariah, he made him mute. He couldn't talk they going back to Luke. And meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. So you burn incense, you leave. But he was having a conversation with Gabriel. Actually, Gabriel was having a conversation with him. Zechariah was just there listening. And were wondering at his delay. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he repeatedly made signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his priestly service were concluded, he went back home. Now, after these days, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace from among the people. Why was she in disgrace? Couldn't have a child. You know, that was what they looked for. And God has now taken that disgrace away from her. The Annunciation now of Christ. So that was the Annunciation of John the Baptist, of Christ. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. What would they normally have done to her? Stoned her. They'd have killed her. But, When he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord, guess who, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. So he's very specific again on what you call him. For he will save his people from the sins. Now this all took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife and kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. So Matthew has a short, concise description of the angel and the birth. Luke goes into a little more detail. Now it was in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. So now we know it's the exact same angel. It's the archangel Gabriel that has gone to first Zechariah, and now he has gone to Mary and to Joseph to tell them what's going on. The virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. For she was very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Need not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So there's part of the prophecy as far as David. You have here, she hasn't conceived yet you will conceive. So it's coming. And she hasn't been with a man. And she knows she hasn't been with a man. First bell. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So this is a prophecy that that Gabriel is making about Christ. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason... Also, the holy child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth, that's her cousin, herself has conceived a son in her old age, and she, who was called infertile, is now in her sixth month. So there's the difference between the two. She's just going to become pregnant, and Elizabeth is in her sixth month with John or John the Baptist. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bond servant, may it be done according to me to your word and the angel departed from her. So at that particular point, Gabriel left. Mary heard about this, she had to go visit Elizabeth, because she known Elizabeth her whole life. She's like 14 years old, and Elizabeth is advanced in age. Now at this time, Mary set out and went and hurried to the hill country to the city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So who's the baby in Elizabeth's womb? John. And the Holy Spirit has filled John in the womb. And he's six months old. He also filled Elizabeth. And she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? So she knew Mary was carrying Jesus. Behold, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So now she saw the whole plan coming together. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bodservant. For behold, from now on, On all generations will call me blessed. And everybody knows who Mary is. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and mercy is his generation after generation towards those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty handed. He has given help to the servant of Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever, Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. At three months, Elizabeth would have been at term. So she stayed there until Elizabeth delivered John. John the Baptist's birth and early life. Now at the time for Elizabeth to give birth and she gave birth to a son, her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord displayed his great mercy toward her. And they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. That's part of the law. And they were going to call him Zachariah after his father. And yet his mother responded and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John, as Gabriel told him to call him. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote his name. His name is John. And they were all amazed. At once, his mouth was open and his tongue freed, and he began speaking in praise of God. And fear came upon those who lived around them and all those matters that were talked about in the entire country of Judah. All that heard them kept them in mind and said, what then will this child turn out to be? So they said, this is miraculous. She was advanced age. They knew the story about Sarah. What's this child going to be? And you just jump down to verse 72. To show mercy to fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. So this is the oath. This is the promise. What promise is that? Through your seed all mankind will be blessed. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, would serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all days. And you, And you, child, also will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. So this is where he goes on to prepare his ways. In verse 80, he grew up and he went out in the desert and he stayed in the desert until the time to enunciate Christ. That was the last slide. So almost on time. But we're we're going through pretty quick, but there's a lot of information that you can kind of see the parallels as far as the miraculous birth, of John and the miraculous birth of Christ. Next week, Doug picks up on the next one.